Welcome to the Cap City Outfitters podcast. This is episode number 70. Um, you got Chris and Brian. Uh, we're going to run through a quick um, COVID-19 related updates as far as things going on at the store. Um, some stuff about how to help your neighbor or help your friend um, get their rifle set up um, to be able to do work. And then talk a little bit about how to choose a rabbi or you know, somebody to really pay attention to on the training techniques, procedures, that kind of stuff side. Absolutely. Um, hey, guys, the update with the COVID stuff. Uh, we're, you know, we're still seeing um, manufacturing delays. We're still seeing distributor shipping delays. Um, in a lot of cases, still out a week to two weeks just to get stuff on a truck. And most of what we buy comes from Texas or Louisiana. Um, so once it does get on a UPS truck, it's, you know, or, or FedEx truck or whatever, it's still generally three, four days out from there. So we're still seeing some significant delays, um, from the manufacturers, from the vendors and, and on our end as, as well, as we get inventory in, we're getting inundated. We're finally starting to receive inventory. We ordered literally almost a month ago over the last week and a half. Um, so I appreciate your patience with us. If you've been in the store, um, we're also seeing some delays on transfers. Uh, some of the guys out there that are ordering guns online, uh, the vendors you're buying those guns from might normally ship next day. And some of them are, there are some companies out there that are still hammering away at it and doing an awesome job. There's a few smaller businesses. If you're dealing with a smaller gun store from maybe a gun broker purchase or whatever, that's doing a transfer into us. Um, you know, the, the, the communications wise, you know, normally we'd hit each other back and forth within a few minutes. Um, you know, some of these places are doing those emails at the end of the day when they have time to do them. So it might add an extra day or two onto shipping. So just be aware of that. Um, as well with us, uh, getting transfers ready to go to you as they hit the shop. Normally we, you know, we pride ourselves in notifying you almost the same day religiously. Um, and, and unfortunately we're out, you know, maybe a day or two extra on that right now. So while we generally say one to two business days, I'm going to ask you, give us a cushion of another day in there, um, for transfers. Uh, NFA stuff. Um, we're seeing NFA branch. It's not. It was not uncommon before all this went crazy to see seven days, even or ten days even between approval date on a form four and the postmark on the envelope in which it was shipped to us. Meaning they're approving your stamp, but it's not actually going in the mail for seven to ten days. Um, we've seen that stretch out to as much as two weeks or more in a couple of cases, but generally two weeks plus mail time. And again, additionally, those form force hit us, those stamps hit us, and we are in a big rush to process them uh, for a couple of reasons. Number one, we want you to have your can. Number two, we need a space. We have a boatload of suppressors in here. Um, but unfortunately, right now with the volume of sales we're doing in the store, that's taken a couple days to get those stamps processed to let you know they're ready to rock and roll. So um, for everybody who's been in to pick up a gun and been turned away, I, I do sincerely apologize. Um, Hopefully we can get past this in the next few weeks or month and get back to our normal, uh, the guns here just second, let me make it happen for you. Um, but unfortunately with the volume of business in the store and the volume of business and transfers and just the COVID world right now, um, the Amazon prime model of everything yesterday has the wheels have fallen off a little bit, uh, from the manufacturers all the way to us. So, uh, thanks again for your patience and, and hopefully we can get that part of the business straightened back out and up on its wheels um, in the next month or two. So, um, if you guys have questions about things that you think are taking too long, please don't hesitate to call. Um, you know, let, let us know if you have a gun and transfer process. Um, it is by all means, just find a stop in the store and say, Hey, I've got a gun in process. Um, and if we tell you it's not ready to go, um, we had one guy stop in super cool about it, you know, was, was very understanding. And again, we really appreciate that stop in person face to face. Um, you know, but occasionally we have somebody stop in and, 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 
they want us to drop everything with you know a half a dozen customers standing in front of us and it, i apologize but it just doesn't work like that so again thanks for your understanding so um next topic help a new gun guy um the estimates we're hearing are that over half of the guns purchased in march and april um of this year were purchased by folks who've never owned a gun before a lot of those guns were long guns a lot of them were handguns but a lot of those guns were long guns um, generically with a handgun, if you bought a decent quality handgun to begin with, you can buy a decent belt and a decent holster and you are good to go. Um, yes, you should know how to use a flashlight and you should probably have a pocket knife and you should carry a medical kit on you and blah, 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 blah. So you can be really cool on the IG and do your pocket dump with like this ginormous wheelbarrow full of shit you drag around with you every day that's probably causing you scoliosis and bad knees. Um, having said that, um... Most of the people buying handguns are buying the handgun and a holster and some bullets, if that. Yeah. yeah. Honestly, most of the handguns was the handgun and, and bullets. bullets, if bullets were available when they yeah. bought the gun. Um, but pushing into rifles, we did have a number of folks come in looking for long guns or astute enough to ask the professional behind the counter, <laughs> buyer beware, uh, to ask the professional behind the counter, I want a gun for home defense, what should that be? Um, you know, and, and I know that it freaks a lot of people out, especially, you know, guys who are a little bit older. Um, don't think of rifles as home defense guns. The reality check is the AR-15 system um, is super easy to teach. It's super effective as a tool. It's low recoil. It holds a lot of bullets. Um, all the different things we've talked about before, um, you know, over and over again. That doesn't change with a new shooter versus somebody that's a gun guy. Um, so, you know, those folks have come in, a number of them, just due to either a lack of knowledge, um, trepidation around making a big purchase, um, not from a funds perspective, but you come in and drop a grand on a gun or more and then looking at dropping potentially three, four, five, six hundred dollars or more on an optic, um, $150 to $300 on a flashlight, uh, $50 to $100 on a sling system, etc. A lot of those folks were kind of choking on that because they're new to it. And I think they were concerned that they were, you know, they didn't want to get taken for a ride. Um, when you talk to your neighbors who have purchased or your friends who have purchased a long gun uh, for home defense, and, and potentially now for recreation, now that they've swallowed which pill? The red pill. The red pill. Now that they've swallowed the red pill um, and have decided that, you know, a dangerous freedom is better, um, you know, the, these folks, you know, you need to get them set up and need to get them kind of pushed into that mentality of, hey, a rifle needs a sling, a rifle, you know, an optic is a force multiplier, and a flashlight lets you sh not shoot somebody that doesn't need shot um, on that long gun. Um, you know, let's, let's help them get those guns set up. And, and I don't care if you're sending them to us to buy the gear or sending them somewhere else. I mean, of course, we'd love for you to send them here. But the reality check is if you can help them get that gun set up properly, it's going to be more useful to them to go train with it, um, you know, versus training with a gun that, that's a little bit harder to use. Hopefully, they see your gun set up correctly as a shining example of how to do it right. Um, and then you can say, yeah, I got this at Cap City Outfitters. CapCityOutfitters.com. Um, and send them our way. Um uh, but along with that, one of the things that's popped up a few times here very recently with these guns is that optics are an expensive option for guns. And we've seen folks come in either with some, you know, hey, Uncle Bubby gave me this Russian, you know, optic that's got this cool window looking thing and like seven reticles. And it runs on a battery that I can only get online on the on the dark web from Russia. Um, you know, if, if you know, help those guys figure out the optics end of that. Um, we had a gun come in with an optic mounted backward. Nice optic. 
Um, there's probably a good reason for that. Um, I, don't, I don't think that was as big a faux pas. We're going to make it. Um, but had an optic mounted backward. You know, unless you work for the city of New York uh, in one of their ESU units, you have no excuse to put an optic on a gun backward. Uh, oh, wait a minute. Neither, yeah, yeah, wait a minute. Neither do they. Um, you know, so yeah, you, you know, if you, if you look through the optic and it's turned on and you can't see the dot, um, don't look down the muzzle to check your optic, take it off the gun and turn it around. Um, but you know, we, we've just seen some oddities come in, um, that are just folks who, who are, are ignorant, ignorant is curable, stupid is not. So these folks have come in and we're trying to help them out and get them squared away. And, and there was a little bit of embarrassment, but there was also some fixing going on and some learning going on. And that's awesome. Um, one of the things that did, that has actually popped up a couple different times, and, and this particular gentleman is new to shooting over the last few years, and he's a really good customer of ours, a uh, really bright guy, and, and honest to God, a student. This is a dude who has a martial arts background, um, and, and an education background, and is a bright dude and wants to freaking learn and wants to do shit right. Um, and, and so one of the challenges he had run into is he's running a low power variable on an AR system gun and wanted a secondary optic aiming option for up close. And so he had mounted a, um, a dot optic, a small little reflex optic, like a pistol optic on top yeah. of this low power variable. Um, guys, if we step back in, in recent history, in the last decade or so, um, but, but especially back in that 15 to 20 year range, uh, the military was issuing a boatload of ACOGs with optics on top of them. And, and the intent of that was, you know, hey, you've got a head up position going through a doorway. You're not cheeked into the gun hard. Um, you're up so you can move your head around. Your head's on a swivel. The gun's on a swivel tracking with it. Hey, let's put this little dot right on top because you're looking over your optic anyway. Let's utilize this secondary optic for up close stuff. Um, and maybe not inside a mud hut up close, but working streets, working urban areas, working, et cetera, those kinds of things where you're, you know, that 25 to 50 yards. Um, the issue with mounting the reflex on top of the low power variable is offset. You take your offset from, you know, two and a half inches with most optics, maybe a little more than that to push in five. Yeah. And so when you zero the gun at 25 yards, um, you've got a lot of offset in between, which is ostensibly where you're using that optic is up close. Um, or, or, or you're shooting really, really, really high at 75 or a hundred yards with that optic, which again, is not what it's intended for. Basically you'll have an artillery yeah. at that point. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, so the, so the conversation was, you know, maybe is there a better mousetrap or a better way to do this? Um, th this particular customer came in with the idea of pursuing um, uh, the, the offset mounted flip up iron sights, which would be a really good adjunct to that. But he already had the optic and, and Brian was smart enough to pick up on, hey, and you already have the tool you need. Had, you, you know, back up iron sights on the gun. Yeah. And you, yeah. And you have the tool you need. Um, let's just move it to a position that's a little more functional on the gun. So, you know, we, we're, we're in the process of, of switching that customer over to a 45-degree mounted uh, reflex optic uh, and looking at some of those setups and, how, you know, how those things work. So, um, and like Brian said, the guy still has iron sights mounted on the gun. So if he needs backup sights, if, the, if his primary low-power variable um, takes a dump on him, is out of the game, um, you're going to grab your multi-tool, pop that off the gun real quick and go on about your business or dial it down to zero. And just flip the front you, you know, to one X and flip the front up and go on about business. Um, but, you know, moving that, you know, moving that red dot over. And it's just some of those solutions uh, for guys out there doing this stuff. There's there's a couple different ways to skin some of these cats. But it's really nice to talk to customers who are, are pushing into, you know, the beyond and setting their guns up so that they can do as much with them as efficiently as possible. Um, 
Yeah, one of the things to be aware of, especially if you're treason, you know, internet sites that sell optics and sell mounting solutions, um, a lot of the things that are offered are solutions in search of a problem. Um, and, you know, when we set up our guns, we generally try to keep them as clean and as as functional as we can make them without adding a whole bunch of other stuff. Yeah. Um, which is where, you know, if you've got a low power variable and an offset mounted red dot, um, you know, what else do you really need? You know, maybe you don't even need backup irons at that point. Yeah. Or, um, or, or, or just generic front, fold downs you know, out of the way or whatever. Yeah. Iron, cause you're depending on how the rear is mounted or how, I'm sorry, how the low power variable is mounted. You may not be able to get that off. Yes. Fast enough to make the rear flip up even functional. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, again, ounces equal pounds. Pounds end up equaling some pain by the end of the day, uh, especially if you got to carry that rifle around you know, for a training class or actually in the field doing work with it. Yeah. Um, so, you know, like, like I said, guys, you know, some of the things we popped up here is just having, being able to talk to the customer, see what it is they're trying to achieve. Um, you know, and a big part of what we do is diagnosing what's the customer using the gun for. Um, if the same gentleman had come in, um, basically he's got a multi-gun setup. He's got a multi-gun yeah. gun setup where, you know, where he would be running, I guess, probably open class at that point because mm-hmm. he's running a, a magnified optic and a, and a non-magnified optic on the same gun. Um, and, and again, some guys will be like, oh, that's a gamer setup. That's not a, you know, okay, cool. That's fine. Whatever. Um, if you know how to use it, uh, if, you know, I think if you handed, you know, some of the top three gunners in the world, their gamer gun setup and said, you got to go do business with this, uh, they'd be pretty formidable. Um, and, and when you start talking to guys who aren't 18 to 30 year old studs in the seals or, or whatever, um, not everybody has uh, government paid for corrected eyesight and different things of that nature. And so, you know, if you, you ever, you know, if you're taught properly, you can make iron sights work. Um, if you can make iron sights work, you can probably make offset iron sights work. But if a dot optic is that much faster and you still have the backup to it, then, you know, that, that's the backup. Rock and roll with that. Uh, and the reality check is we are seeing, you know, studs all over the world running backup reflex optics to their LPVO that are their primary up close and, and are actually a backup optic, I think, in general. I think most yeah. of those folks are running that low power variable um, in an environment where maybe they have it on a lower setting if they're professional end users. If they're gamers, they may be keeping it at magnification mm-hmm. if they're gamers. Um, but I mean, I don't know. I, I just watched a video of uh, Taryn Butler burning down a stage in a match uh, here recently. And I don't know if this was something that was posted from last year or if this was a, you know, a match where they finally opened things up out West. Um, but he was running a low power variable and, and you could tell there were a couple times where he was rolling the gun and you could tell there were a couple times where the targets were relatively close where he wasn't rolling the gun. He was looking through the optic. Um, but when he went to pin the gun against a barricade, it was a low barricade, um, kneeling barricade for a long shot. You could see him as he was going into position, dial the gun up for the long shot and go on. Um, I, I, you know, I, I don't, I would consider getting in a 50 yard dash with Taron Butler, but I don't want to get in a gunfight with him. Yeah. Yeah. So I'd like to see his video collection. <laughs> Just kidding. Just kidding. Bad joke. Sorry. Uh, but anyway, so the, you know, there's definitely some options out there diagnosing, you know, first let's determine what are we using this tool for? Um, but you know, Pat Rogers, uh, God rest his soul was, was, was very fond of saying the mission drives the gear train. Um, you know, if, if you're, if you're a homeowner who's trying to protect his home, um, you know, versus a, a force recon guy going to, to do DA work um, in the middle of the water somewhere, you're probably going to have different kit and different setups. 
Um, so, you know, let's bear those things in mind and then let's give the gamer who wants to use gamer gear for defensive use a little bit of a pass because they probably practice with it and know how to use it. By the same token, let's give the dude with a stripped down gun who just got it a pass and help him figure out how to get the right tools on it to be as effective as possible. Yeah. yeah. Uh, just to chime in real quick, you know, effective tools on a long gun for home defense or patrol use um, for law enforcement would be some kind of red dot optic or unmagnified optic. Um, learn how to use the optic. Um, if you're you're having the gun for the end of the world, your backup iron sights are useful. They should be zeroed. You should have a general concept of how they work. Um, but spend the time and the ammo <clears throat> mastering how to use the red dot. Um, learning how to say shoot the gun with the irons first and adding a dot later. Um, that was 30 years ago. Yep. Um, yep. Learning how to run the red dot will make you much more effective. Um, much faster with a lot less ammo and time. Way more efficient. Uh, adding to that, you know, having a sling properly set up on the gun um, that you can fight with, uh, something like a Blue Force Gear uh, Vicar sling that's quick adjust, or the Magpul, the MS4 sling that's also a quick adjust sling. Uh, and then putting a light on the gun. Uh, most bad things with guns happen in low light conditions. Or you may be going from, you know, a lit environment into an unlit, you know, building structure, um, yeah. vehicle, etc. So having a light on the gun that you can work with. Uh, we still like the Surefire, the X300 Ultra, uh, mounted at 12 o'clock. Um, works really well, super lightweight. Um, the Cloud Defense Owl is very impressive. Um, it's a little bit bigger, a little bit heavier. Um, phenomenal light output. Comes with an awesome, you know, built-in switching setup that's uh, potted in epoxy, so there's nothing to come loose. Um, Streamlight yes, TLR1, yeah. the Streamlight TLR1HL um, is another really good option, uh, and then obviously the uh, the cla more classically set up um, Surefire Scout lights um, still get the job done too. Absolutely, and in my understanding as well, um, we're hitting back on Streamlight. Streamlight had some serious issues a few years back with some of their weapon-mounted scout-style lights um, that they were used to, using to compete with Surefire. Uh, they had some significant switching issues with those lights. My understanding is that has all been corrected at this point, so if you're buying new inventory, uh, those might be good options as well. Um, if, you, if you want that scout-style light, or perhaps the setup of your gun, the size of your gun, whatever, limits you to where your mounting systems operate, um, definitely take a look at that. Um, the, the, the other thing that I will throw out there real quick about lights, and I know that maybe we're beating a dead horse with this, the light helps you identify your target and, and lets you not shoot somebody that doesn't need shot. The other thing the light does is it blinds the hell out of people if you put enough lumens in the right place at the right time. Um, you know, there's a lot of conversations around, um, you know, you draw that white light, everybody's going to shoot at it. Well, that's entirely possible. That is absolutely a risk of doing business. Um, but as a responsible civilian shooter, uh, I am not in a combat zone. I can't, you know, I, I don't even know that I'm comfortable shooting at muzzle flashes without understanding the totality of the situation. And that's a hard thing to assume. Um, the light on the gun is a great, great, great tool to blind somebody and give you a second or two to figure things out. Um, and, and, and under the auspices, you know, so the brighter light is actually a better light. The more candela, the more lumens, the better it's placed photonically on the target or on the bad guy or in the area that you're fighting. It is a very, very important thing. Uh, Brian mentioned the cloud light being a little bit bigger, a little bit heavier. Good Lord, does it put a metric crap ton of light in someone's eyes. It's pretty yeah. awesome. 
Um, a thousand lumen surefire pistol light inside a structure is awesome, but that cloud light, when you step outside and you need to put light in someone's eyes 30, 40 yards away, it's, it's, it's blinding. It's crazy how well that works. So if you're an LEO chasing down a light to put on that cruiser gun or your patrol rifle, if your gun is amenable to it and your department allows it, take a look at some of the newer, better output lights like the cloud lights because they're, they're simply amazing. Yeah. Um, surefire dual fuels fall in that category too to some extent. Um, there's some neat stuff out there. So, yeah. 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 Until, uh, until the light is putting, is doing, um, what is it? Indiana Jones yeah. <laughs> and, uh, the lost art yeah. um, style, like melting faces off. Yeah. You really can't have too many lumens. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I, I will, and I'll throw that challenge out there. You know, we've got some local dudes, um, that, you know, we talk to on a regular basis and, and train with occasionally. Um, and, and a couple of these guys are, are of the camp that, you know, Hey, you can blind yourself on a white background or in a mirror, blah, 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 blah. Um, I, I, you know, these guys probably have more experience searching houses than I do. So, so I will allow, I, I'll, I'll just say, Hey, everybody's got their own opinion on this. Um, I, I'm going to, we're going to politely disagree. I, I want as much light as possible. Um, and, and I think that if you talk to the experts about this, they'll tell you that in general, 99% of the time, having more light is better than not simply from the ability to disable or, or slow down the potential threat and give you more time to make a decision. Anytime I can buy myself more time to make a decision, the better off I'm going to be. Well, the other thing that more light gives you is better information yeah. from whatever you're shining the light at. Yep. Um, it really helps to distinguish you know, between, a, say, a knife and a cell phone in somebody's hand. Yep. You know, or a wallet versus a pistol. Yeah. Yep. So, yeah. So just, just some things to throw out there. And again, I, I know these are things we've kind of preached about a little bit, but hopefully you can take, um, you know, some of the information we're giving you here and, and maybe it gives you a way to codify it that makes sense to your new gun buyer friend um, and, and helps them to overcome some of their trepidation about spending these kinds of dollars on things. Um, because realistically, it's, it's a pretty big purchase. Unless that person is a high-end watch guy, maybe an audiophile who buys high-end audio gear, um, or, or a car or motorcycle nerd, in which case this is nothing. Um, you know, but convincing those folks, you know, the why of this, hopefully we can provide you with that information to make that happen. Um, and maybe it helps for you when you talk to your significant other. I mean, you know, maybe your husband's not into guns and you need to convince him that you need these, these toys to put on your gun for self-defense. Um, you know, then, Hey, that's, that's, that's a great way to handle that conversation too. So hopefully this helps. Uh, the last thing we're going to touch on, um, is we're going to, if, if, if that's cool, can I move on? Yeah. Okay, cool. Yeah. Um, we, we use the term rabbi, um, and I, I, I will go take that back to my history in the military, um, back in the days. A, a rabbi is, is the guy you go to who can give you cover and give you knowledge and give you information. Um, it's the guy who knows generally everything that you need to know or can direct you to sources of information to get all of the answers. Um, you can interchange rabbi with guru um, or expert, subject matter expert, or whatever. He's your Obi-Wan. He is your Obi-Wan. Um, you, you may not substitute rabbi with um, my uncle who was in the army. Uh, you may not substitute rabbi um, with my cousin who was a sheriff's deputy for two years before he got fired. Um, you may not substitute rabbi with uh, this dude I talked to at the gun store. Um, be very, very cautious, especially if that guy's behind the counter and overweight. Could be me. Um, <laughs> choosing a rabbi, you know, when you go to take training, vet the person you're going to train with. Go look at their history. See where they come from. Um, and, and, and with that in mind, understand 
that going and training with a dude who was an Army Ranger, um, Army Rangers assault airfields very, very well. Um, can this guy teach you how to do defensive firearms work? Can he teach you the tactics, techniques, and procedures to defend yourself, your spouse, and your kids in your home? Um, if you want to go to an Army Ranger and learn how to patrol or learn how to plan a mission or learn how to do all the things that Army Rangers do, then that is freaking outstanding. Um, but can that guy teach you what you're actually wanting to learn? Is that is that within his skill set? And that is not to say ever don't go train with an Army Ranger. We have a number of different companies, some right here in Ohio and then some across the country right now that are run by Rangers who are outstanding instructors teaching civilians and law enforcement how to keep themselves alive better in the world. Um, but just be cautious. You know, if you're going to train with a dude who was a Navy SEAL, there haven't been that many Navy SEALs. Was he actually a Navy SEAL, A, and then B, again, Navy SEALs do all kind of different things. If this dude, you know, is, is you know, he, if, he can, if you're going to learn how to shoot and that's who you want to teach you how to shoot, that's awesome. If you're going to learn, you know, tactics, techniques, and procedures for something else outside of what Navy SEALs do, then, you know, again, make sure that this guy has a resume or a history of training people to do what it is you want to learn. It's not that they don't have the knowledge either. It's can they communicate it. Yeah. So, you know, make sure that as you're chasing down your rabbis, who are these guys? Um, occasionally, you'll see somebody or hear somebody make a comment about an instructor. I'll use the example. Uh, one of our good friends at an AK class with Larry Vickers um, got his PP spanked right from the very beginning because he had brought a borrowed rifle to the class that honestly wasn't set up all that well. Um, Larry, being Larry, kind of jumped in his shit and kind of made fun of his setup. Uh, this individual is a prideful guy, and he's a hell of a good dude, um, but he was he was pretty steamed um, by 9 a.m. By 9.05 a.m., he was pretty pissed off. So as we could continue with the class, anybody, Larry says, do anybody have any questions for me? Then this individual says, uh, yeah, so like, what's your background to be able to be out here like training us? And you could hear about a third of the Vickers fanboys, the dudes that were just in love with him, gasp. <gasps> um, and in the reality check, Larry Vickers got Kurt Muse out of a prison in Panama. Um, Larry's kind of been there and done it. You know, Larry was a Delta Force dude, so Larry's got a pretty good resume. Larry's been training high-speed people for, I don't know, at that point, 25 freaking years. Um, you know... I, I, if, if you don't know who you're talking to, you don't know who you're talking to. So rather than talk, find out who you're talking to. Um, and so that would be the, you know, the counter example I would use one way or the other. Learn who yeah. you're training with, you know, and, and go train with the right people. And that's not to say that everybody has to be a Jedi Knight for you to learn from them. There are some good dudes here locally who teach a lot of solid fundamental stuff. And let's face it, most of it's fundamentals. But just do your research and, and, and figure out who you want to train with. Um, We've got some local training companies popping up here in Central Ohio. Um, those companies have some amazing people on staff, and I think we're going to see some really, really good stuff from them. Um, you know, and 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 it's just part of the growing pain process to figure out who your good instructors are and who your good instructors aren't. I spent six years, you know, trying to sort some of that stuff out at Big Darby Creek when we were open. Do, they're doing that. Um, it's part of the game, guys. So, and part of that may be you've got to go train from the guy you think's your rabbi to find out that he's not. And some of it's going to be you got to go train with people who maybe you're not super familiar with to find out that that's your next rabbi or yeah. another one. So, yeah. Yeah. Some of the good places, honestly, to sort of vet people out. Um, Surefire has done a series over the last couple of years called Field Notes. These little video snippets that come out once every week or every other week. 
Um, if somebody's on, in that series and has been in that series a couple times, they're probably good to go. Yeah. Um, along the uh, Similarly, um, Alliance Police Training. Yeah. As a general rule of thumb, anybody that Alliance lets on their range to train, whether it's one of their local guys or whether it's somebody coming in to do a class at Alliance, is generally going to be a top-notch instructor. Um, similarly to that, TDI Ohio. Um, John Benner has run a, a first-class training organization for decades. Um, he brings in guys that are really squared away. Um, some of those instructors cycle through over time. Um, and a lot of that's because they find other opportunities, life opportunities. They, they grow families and have to come and go and stuff like that. But he's managed to keep a cadre of staff there that does a fundamental job, a fundamentally awesome job of teaching basic building blocks that you need to know, both as a civilian and as a law enforcement officer, because they teach both of those uh, curricula. Um, you know, uh, places like Gunsight. Um, Gunsight drives me a little bit crazy. I remember a, a quote from Ed Head when he was still the director of Gunsight making a comment about this. Somebody said, hey, your 250 class hasn't changed in 30 years. When are you going to update it? And he basically said when there's an empty seat. Um, you know, I, I don't think that's to denigrate. I don't say that to denigrate Gunsight so much as to say, you know, make sure that the guys you're training with are keeping up with what's current. Um, Gunsight is still a phenomenal place to go learn. Um, you know, but I want to make sure I'm, te I'm learning from people at rather that the Southwest Museum of Gunfighting versus, you know, something that's maybe a little more modern and a little more data-based. So, you know, definitely some things yeah. to keep in mind. Um, going and doing old school fundamentals is not a bad thing either. So some of the places that have been around this long have been around this long for a reason. Yeah. One of the other things, uh, most of the really good trainers um, have published either books or articles. White papers. Um, white papers. No. You know, there's material out there. Um, honestly, the from the really good guys, most of that material rhymes to a, a decent extent. Um, if you find somebody that doesn't rhyme with what other people are saying, um, I would take a very close look at why they don't rhyme. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, in general, the, the, the people out there training people are doing it because they want the people they're training to be better at protecting civilians, in the case of law enforcement, and themselves or protecting themselves and their families in the case of civilians, you know, alone. Um, if, if you see somebody who's off the reservation teaching something goofy, look into it. Maybe it's the next new thing, but probably not because there aren't that many new things in this business. Yeah. Cool. Um, on that note, we are open um, 10 to 5, Tuesday through Saturday. Um, we're in Hilliard, Ohio, 4465 Cemetery Road, um, right next to Louis Drill, who is still doing phenomenal takeout. Yes. Uh, in, in front of the Aldi's, uh, if you're having trouble finding us, uh, stop, please stop in and see us. Um, we'd love to see you. Um, we are an essential business. Um, we're open to the public, no appointment needed. Um, we are limiting it to four people in the store at a time to allow everyone to properly social distance. Um, generally not a problem from a traffic perspective. I think the longest we've had anybody wait this week is maybe five minutes. Yeah. Uh, so please do come out and see us. Um, we are on Facebook and Instagram as long as they let us stick around. Uh, there's a lot of really good uh, training information, knowledge from reputable instructors and individuals posted, uh, especially to the Facebook site. And then sign up for our newsletter. Uh, if you uh, if you go to our website, capstayoffers.com, it should prompt you to join that um, the first time you visit or send us an email, info at capcityoutfitters.com and ask to get added to the newsletter. We'd be happy to do it. Thanks so much, guys. We'll see you soon.